and all of a sudden someone comes off and sucker punches Kevin right in the jaw. Literally sucker punches Kevin in the jaw. I financed a boat. That means you can't afford a boat. If you can't buy the boat, you can't afford a boat. You don't finance toys. I quickly run around, jump on the guy's back. It's just kind of this brawl oh uh, while we're holding the guy, trying to get the cops there. I got into Ninja Warrior. I was at the playground with my six-year-old a couple weeks ago, and I'm just trying to do the monkey bars. Yeah. It's amazing how difficult that is. His monkey bars are eight <laughs> feet apart. I know. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. Yeah. So... everybody you're kicking it with the homeboys and the homeboys podcast and we are super excited today to bring to you matt tortielio of two guys take on real estate and also the flipping ninja landlord he's got a lot of really exciting stories when it comes to real estate producing really funny and interesting content and he's a ninja warrior how about that <laughs> We are not Ninja Warriors. <laughs> but uh, but anyhow, let's dive right into it. Matt, how are you, my friend? Thanks for being on the show. Good. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Thanks a lot. No, we're, really, uh, we're really grateful that you uh, came on. We've talked a little bit before, uh, before we got on the air, and um, you know, we kind of talked about our content being an outlet. And Scotty and I just got done watching a bunch of your guys' content. There's a lot of content on uh, landlording and uh, the real estate market today. Um, we're just uh, we're just really honored to have you. But first of all, let's let's just uh, let's just get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I'm uh, originally from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Uh, born and raised, kind of have stayed in Mass all my life. And uh, about 15 years ago, I kind of started this company with my uh, best friend Kevin, uh, who's the other uh, two guy. Yep. And yeah, we kind of started growing and staying in this area, kind of trying to figure it all out uh, as the years went by. Was starting with like a little you know duplex and kind of house hacking and also burrowing into uh, more deals. Other than that, I got into um, Ninja Warrior, like you mentioned, uh, about seven years ago because uh, I've always been into fitness and someone just happened to see me at a rock gym and asked me about it. And I didn't know what Ninja Warrior was at the time. So I kind of had to start watching videos and I got hooked and tried to find out some competitions and other gyms in the area. And then one thing led to another, I eventually got on the show and it, you know, it's just been a passion ever since. I think, I think it's awesome because I, I actually watched the show with my uh, with my six year old. She's like enthralled with American Ninja Warrior, and um, I think I find it the most interesting just because I am so unmotivated when it comes to fitness. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to be at one time, but man, I really really struggle. But I think something that Scotty and I both admire a great deal uh, when it comes to people that we talk to is work ethic, and obviously. You know, I was at the I was at the the, uh, the playground with my uh, six year old a couple weeks ago, and I was just trying to do the monkey bars. Yeah, and it's amazing how difficult that is. It's amazing <laughs> how difficult his it monkey was to bars are eight that. feet apart. I know. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that because I think it's interesting. I know that work ethic kind of flows into uh, 
into you know the real estate world that uh, that Scotty and I live in and uh, that you live in as well. So um, talk, tell us about your fitness. Um, I know I'm interested in it because I need to get my fat butt off of this chair and actually do something. But uh, tell us tell us about your fitness routines. Sure. Um, so just like in business, I found uh, creating a routine is really important uh, and sticking to it. Uh, that's been one of my keys to success. And so every morning, I'm generally up around 4 to 4.30 in the morning, and I get to my office, where is where actually we have our gym. And uh, from around 5.30, I'm training till about you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock. And generally I want to keep it fun. Uh, just like business, you know, if you're not, you know, enjoying what you're doing, I think it's not going to, and have a passion for it. It's not going to last. And so, uh, you know, I mean, what's more fun than, like you said, monkey bars, bouncing around, jumping around. I'm not just lifting weights, which I, I supplement with that here and there, but most of the time it's, um, creating fun courses and trying to learn a new skill and lock and unlock something to, uh, play around with. And, uh, that's, you know, just keeps it always uh, fresh and fun. So every day you're, you're up and at them early working out every day. Except for Sundays. Um, so I do now have a one-year-old and so he's been consuming, um, you know, my evenings as well as you know, I keep, um, my weekends free for him, but on Saturday I come in early to work out a little bit and then get back to home to, we go on hikes and, uh, every Sunday he also has a swim class. So I take him to the swim class and stuff. So that's when my fitness journey kind of stopped. Um, you know, Scotty knows I used to be into, into, into staying in shape and, you know, running, you know, mini marathons and working out once I had kids, um, and I'm, I'm a little old for having three and six year olds, but really it stopped for me six years ago. Once I had kids, how, how is, how has that been having a one-year-old and being able to maintain your, your, your fitness regimen? It's definitely a shift. Uh, so luckily my wife's an amazing woman. And so she kind of uh, handles the, the day. And so I still get my kind of my morning routine, which kind of keeps my, my mind, uh, you know, straight. Um, but, uh, really it hasn't changed a drastic amount other than, you know, kind of, you know, at nights I, w- I used to work out twice a day. Now I'm more just w- once a day and, but I'm not doing as many competitions because I'd rather go hang out with him. Uh, but what I found is making sure what we do hang out with. So we go hiking a lot. So instead of going to a ninja competition all, every weekend or going to like an OCR race, those obstacle course races. Um, I've been more taking him, uh, going on hikes. We're going to go, there's a probably in a week. So we're going Monadnock, which is a big mountain up in uh, New Hampshire. So we just try to go on different hikes and different adventures together and just kind of keep active. I I was just out at uh, Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons for about 10 days. And I found something really interesting because I went after school was back in session. There weren't a lot of families with young kids, but the number of parents there with like an under five-year-old or whatever before kindergarten that brought their young, young kids and were out hiking, I was amazed by it. Like, I feel like it was every other person had a baby with them. They were just out hiking with their, their youngster. It was pretty neat to see. Um, you know, I, I, I think it might have been the timing that I was there because I, I do a lot of the national parks, but yeah. I, I just found it fascinating how many of these little kids were on these trails. We're talking 3,000 feet of elevation change, and these kids are just running around like crazy, you know? 
It was it was interesting. You're about to cough up a lot. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I brought a scooter for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> What's that little rascal? That's what I needed. Right. You remember that little uh, for for old folks at yes. the grocery? Yes. I needed yep. a little rascal a little out rascal. there in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into the the real estate. Um, you mentioned just a little bit that you got in it, got into it, uh, kind of through hacking and and uh, some some of the Burr method. Um, so, so you, it sounds like you didn't start with just a giant pile of cash, just millions and millions of dollars. And we're like, heck, what should I do with all this money? No. So when I really first got and started, actually, I was 16. Um, so that was my first experience. It was a two family house out in Pittsfield. Um, I got my grandmother basically to kind of do the hard money loan and sign all the docs. And I did all the work and Sold it a couple of years later, made like 30 grand, thought I was like, you know, I was 18. I'm like, woo, yeah. great, blew it all. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, I played again a little in Saginaw, Michigan and got foreclosed on there and like just lost everything. Someone, um, I hired a property management company and they kept stealing from me. So I, you know, moved to another management company, like a big management company. I'm like, all right, bigger is better. You know, I'll be safe. And they left it um, vacant and 50% more vacant for uh, over three months. And when they basically, someone, the last person stole all the, like the, the toilets, the sinks, the hot water heaters, the furnaces, stole everything. And the insurance company found out that it had been vacant for over 30, uh, three months, more than 50%. They basically denied the claim. So I lost everything there. So I got beat down quite a bit early on, but then I still had this vigor that I knew there was something more and that, you know, that I just, just a regular job is just not for me. And so, uh, about 15 years ago with Kevin, uh, I convinced him somehow to join me after <laughs> my great success that I've already had, uh, to join me in, you know, doing this one more time. And honestly, I, you know, just kind of put my nose to the ground, Kevin, and I found a duplex, um, actually speaking of which the realtor, that we got, she went to clown school. So you're talking about clown school. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. There it is. As uh, we just spoke about, I used to be a drummer in a clown band. Yeah. So, hey, sounds like my kind of person. You're, we both went to Indiana University. Do you remember the clown school that was just north of Bloomington? Did you ever see that? No. Oh, oh I got some stories for you. <laughs> Yeah, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to look into we'll have to look into that. I may be I may be putting my resignation in here. Uh -huh. yeah. but, uh, but anyhow, your realtor, the clown. Uh, yep. So uh, she was uh, a tough cookie. Uh, she went and basically would go into all these abandoned properties. So this is Springfield. This is after you know just after the crash, two thousand eight. So there were boarded up property everywhere, and. Literally, I know that I was buying at the right time. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I, I, you know, I knew I wanted to do something different. And so we just started uh, searching for houses. We found this Boston-style duplex. Um, and we're like, all right, we're going to buy this. And Kevin had met a hard money lender. I'm like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I didn't know what a real hard money lender was. Just like, okay, you know, he wants this. Okay, as long as the numbers work. I was good at math. And I'm like, the spreadsheet, you know, put a spreadsheet together. Seemed like it would work out. Oh, sure. The rehabs can be only, you know, 20 grand. What? No big deal. It's well, start renovating it. I'm doing most of the work myself, learning it as I go. I'm, I went to school for pre-med. So I, 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 I didn't know what, but you know, I, I figured it out. So started, you know, sanding the floors, you know, changing out fixtures and figuring this all out. Uh, well, 
20 went to 30, went to 35, um, because you know, the stack was cracked and the heating system, the heat exchanger was cracked and blah, blah, blah. So one thing after another, okay, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We just put our heads down, work hard. Kevin was working at a used car dealership at the time. And so he'd come after work, you know, and I, I had, you know, actually just got laid off from this job I did have. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm hundred percent in on this and just kind of just figured it out. And was your plan to flip it or a long-term hold was a long-term hold. Okay. So we were, you know, like there were five bedrooms each side. We're like, Oh, we're going to get tons of money. You know, we'll get section eight, you know, we don't have to worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. So the first person that came that said they wanted it had section eight. We're like, yes, woo, you, you got it. It's all yours. Well, that was our, probably our worst tenant ever too, because there was no screening process, no nothing. And, uh, there was, there's many, many stories on her and that, how bad that went. But, um, yeah, we basically were able to refinance it. Uh, somehow we did the right thing. We got enough value, pulled out, uh, extra money, took that and put it into the next deal and just started rolling it. Um, and so we bought, you know, another, a three family after that, and then that bought a two family and then we bought another two family. And then I was actually in an adult gymnastics class at the time, you know, once again, uh, this was before Ninja but I wanted to still learn how to flip. So I was in a gym, uh, an ultra gymnastics class, just talking about, you know, what we were doing. And all of a sudden this guy came up, he's like, well, I'm interested. I just sold a bunch of flips he had done, I guess, in Mexico. So he wanted to invest with us and, you know, hear more. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. And that kind of led into another partnership that kind of allowed us to really, you know, blow up. And we were starting to put out hundreds of offers every week and deals were just coming back. That was back when like, you know, there were a lot of short sales. So we would put offers, get them accepted by the buyer. And then we'd have to wait for the bank to kind of, you know, give their approval. And so all of a sudden we had so many offers out. And then, you know, as the months went by, all of a sudden they started coming back in. All right, the bank approved, the bank approved. And all of a sudden we were just having offers after one after another. And uh, we just kind of bought, you know, a lot of those and a lot of REOs. It's uh, it's it's an interesting time that you were doing it because we, we were both in real estate before the 2008 happened. But even though we've been in it, you know, we're in it through that, we still, in retrospect, looking in the rearview mirror, had no idea how great we had it in those years. No idea. We knew that it was cheap, but no idea just what an amazing time to acquire properties it was. Um, 100% agree. I if we could only go back, right. we were buying stuff at uh, fifteen, eighteen a unit that I'm now selling at like over a hundred a unit. Sure, it's crazy. I know. Well, I, I, I want to go backwards just just a little bit because I think that this is something that we always are trying to preach to our audience. So I want to say this again, Matt. You had just got laid off from your job, yep. and your your partner Steve or excuse me, Kevin, um, he was working, Kevin was working at a used car dealership at the time. And you went in, you got, you pulled your, uh, you put your big boy pants on, you got after it, you did a lot of the work yourself, you really watched what you were spending. And tell us today how many doors that uh, you and Kevin you know, own and are self-managing. Yeah, let me let me summarize again. No piles of cash. Mm-hmm. Only one of the two is employed. Don't know construction. Don't really know a lot about real estate. Has had some experience, which one of which which was fifty fifty so far. One went wrong. One didn't. 
and went out and did it. And how many doors are you at now? So currently we are at about 350 doors. At the peak, we are at about 600 doors. Amazing. Amazing. It can be done. And we hear people all the time saying, oh, I don't know how to get in. I can't do this. I don't you know, have enough money. I don't have this. That is an amazing success story that right. you know, we live in such a pessimistic society to see um, someone with your work ethic, and I'm assuming you know, Kevin's as much, as much the same, to be able to do that. Do you look back on it now and think, wow, how did, how did we do this? Or is it just so slow over time? It just kind of kept building and building? So it definitely was not an overnight success. Um, many, many, many failures over the, uh, over the years, but it was all about like learning from each failure to, you know, impact to the next one and the next one. And, you know, how can we keep improving? And then also surrounding us, like right now we have about 20 some odd employees and surrounding ourselves with a fantastic team, whether it be the realtor, the great lawyers, you know, great employees, that was kind of the key to success to kind of keep it growing in, uh, going from there. But yeah, looking back, uh, I know Kevin always jokes about like we would probably never start again in the state that we started in. It's a very tenant-friendly state, very difficult. Um, I mean, the laws are stacked against you as a landlord, but um, we made it here. So making it anywhere else with a uh, you know, yeah, but it, it, in th- you know, I understand in theory that you want to go to the the other side of the fence where the grass is greener and things are easier. But at the same time, somebody's got to do it in your market. And so why not you? One of the things that I found really interesting about uh, doing so many of these interviews we do with really successful folks like you and your business partner is the resiliency and um, the work ethic. Those are kind of the two things. I've yet to hear a story where it went smooth from day one. I mean, it's about taking those punches over and over and getting up, dusting yourself off and still moving forward, almost to a point of insanity, um, (laughs) what a normal person wouldn't be willing to do. Um, I've always found that that separates guys like you and the ones that don't make it. Uh, Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I mean, (laughs) so speaking of that, a little quick side story, uh, getting sucker punched uh, with all these uh, beatdown. So that first tenant I mentioned uh, that we had, well, we eventually had to evict that tenant. And so uh, this is now maybe two or three years after we evicted the tenant. We're sitting at this, uh, we bought the 16 unit uh, apartment building and we're renovating it. We had the contractors inside. Um, I'm driving my little white Jeep. Kevin's, uh, he was doing something on his phone in the passenger seat with the car, just the door slightly ajar. I'm in the backseat getting some tools or whatever to hand for the contractor and just kind of go and, you know, walk uh, the, some of the units he was working on. And all of a sudden someone comes off and sucker punches Kevin right in the jaw, literally sucker punches Kevin in the jaw. Uh, and then he's, you know, scrambling. I quickly run around, jump on the guy's back. He's like, tw- I'm, a, I'm a short guy. I'm five, six. This guy is much taller than I am. So I jump on his back, wrestle him to the ground. So we're, you know, str- you know, wrestling with him and, uh, Kevin's, you know, coming out and, you know, the contract come out, started pummeling the guy. It was just kind of this brawl, oh uh, while we're holding the guy trying to get the cops there and turns out Kevin, bro- the guy broke Kevin's jaw. So <laughs> Kevin didn't get it. He had to sip through a straw for uh, three or four months for a while. And yeah. And, uh, that was actually the cousin of our first tenant that was upset that we evicted her and stuff like that. 
Oh, um, and if that ain't the school of hard knocks, I don't know what yeah. is, baby. <laughs> it's literally the Rocky quote. You know, it's not life isn't about how hard you hit; it's about how hard you can get hit and literally, keep moving forward. Literally getting hit. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that just kind of one thing. That just uh, some people might have ran away and said, "That's it." You know, this isn't sure. for me. But we just kind of buckled down. They're like, "No, we're going to do even better," and we just kind of kept pushing forward. And but uh, there's a lot of stories like that. I bet. <laughs> I bet, and you've you've kept that smile on your face some, somehow through all of this. Well, I, I didn't get my job. No. <laughs> <laughs> <Right? laughs> well, let's 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 dive into into some of your content. Uh, and again, it's two guys' take on real estate, Matt and Kevin. And I've watched a lot of your content. You know, I'm a landlord at heart. You know, I run a I run a you know pretty large property management company. So does Scotty, but kind of my arm in the business is more the property management. I own half of it. You own half but, of it, but he runs it. But <laughs> but I, I find I find a lot of your content very useful for anyone that is getting into uh, the game of owning property and renting it out. Um, I watched a clip that you guys did about a month ago, which is really resonates with me but it's very unpopular in today's world where you are talking about a um, a tenant that is looking to downsize and save some money and they had already paid you i believe your i believe in the clip it said ninety thousand dollars in rent and we don't know what the next tenant um, is going to do to our place if we if this person leaves why don't we um, take this four-bedroom house, turn it into the price of a three-bedroom house, and keep this amazing um, tenant in there. And the thing that I find interesting about it is, like, I agree. Like, you know, periods of vacancy and, um, you know, having to fix a property up after you know, some, someone leaves, that's, I mean, that's the biggest hit to your, your bottom line. Yet, in today's very real estate guru-driven society, that is not a popular thing that you did because everyone's saying, "Oh, you got to raise rents, you got to raise them," and, you know, and and you know, it's just that's that's what we see on social media a lot. So, one, I was very happy to see that it was um, so well received, and so many people ha- had watched it. But um, do you find yourself with with stuff like that that you're technically going against the guru grain? So, yeah, to say? I mean. We definitely uh, never, you know, try to fit ourselves into some kind of, you know, nice little package that the gurus might look at us. Um, And we try to tell, I mean, this is short form content usually. Uh, So it's, you know, you got 30 to 60 seconds. You're trying to teach maybe some kind of aspect. And I think uh, one of the things we've always prided with our short form content is trying to teach people about, um, all the mistakes we've done. And we've definitely gone that route. We all, we got to get the most rent, all that stuff. And I think very few uh, people new getting into it realize that there's not huge margins with this. You know, if you're making $200 a a unit um, and you have to lose that tenant and then you've got the turnover, then you have the time loss and anything else that might happen. I mean, it could take you years to recoup that actual, and that's also a $200 a unit. That's hoping the tenants pay on time. You don't have to, you know, file any kind of eviction paperwork. You don't, you know, they don't have a lot of maintenance issues. They didn't sneak a dog in or a washer and dryer and then flood the, you know, the bottom unit. So everything going well, 
it could take you a long time. So it's in, I think it's in your best interest to figure out what, you know, and uh, could be a good way to keep a tenant so that, and that might be lowering the rent um, just so that you can actually, you know, have a profitability. So it's, it's, yeah, it's good for the tenant and I'm happy to keep her and she's great, but also it's good for me and my bottom, you know, bottom line. It's neat to see someone out there talking about it because we just feel like those are the kinds of messages that get lost out there on social media. And, And it's a philosophy that we agree with wholeheartedly you know um we um we our homes are never the most expensive in the neighborhood but they're always the nicest which means that we get the choice of the best tenant we keep our tenants in there and in our market we're talking you know our average rents are are around 1300 now mm-hmm. um so we're talking about raising rents by 25 dollars. if you if you are losing a tenant and having to do a tenant turn and all those month, months of vacant rent trying to chase 300 dollars for the entire year of increase for an entire year 25 dollars a month it's ridiculous you know and so there's a way to be compassionate also at the same time so it's a it can be a win-win-win for every single party involved Say it's even a save. It's even a hundred dollar increase. No, that's thirteen hundred dollars, or excuse me, twelve hundred dollars for the year. You know, our average one month. You know, I mean, you get someone that trashes the place and causes ten thousand dollars of damage. You've got lease up costs. You know, vacancy, utilities, all that stuff that goes on. It's you know, even a hundred dollars isn't worth it, in my opinion. It's good. Yeah, it's good advice. I don't. I don't know what it's like with you in. Uh, uh, you said Indiana, right? Yeah, Indiana. Um, I mean, you know, for, for eviction for us, if they have stuff, we have to actually um, put it in a bonded warehouse. We have to actually pay to store it for six months. So, I mean, I've had evictions cost just the eviction part cost me six thousand dollars plus the back rent plus then the turn. So, I mean, we've got it, it easy here. Expensive. We've got it very easy here. Really? I mean, we're about as uh, we're always one of the most you know, there's a few lists. I don't know who creates these lists, but we're always one of the most landlord friend, friendly, st- uh, friendly states out there. Um, it's yeah. But at the same time, we don't have a lot of evictions, you know, we, uh, believe it or not in our market, 1300 rents is the top 5%, you know, oh, really? Indi- Indiana is the sixth lowest, um, rent average in the country, which is crazy because I mean, we are, you know, we have, we have, typically 3% um, unemployment here below national average. It's a, it's an amazingly beautiful, especially Indianapolis area um, area of, of wealth and success. So it's, it's never really made a lot of sense to me, but our rents are very affordable here. So um, yeah. So, and rarely do we ever um, get to a situation where we're having to store, you know, tenants, you know, stuff. I mean, here, if you have a tenant that truly won't move out, you've got to pay for the constable and the moving company to come in and move their stuff. And then they're required to pay that back to you. But like the, the, the storage aspect to me just seems absurd. It's just bananas. Yeah. I agree. I mean, just like we have, uh, we can't charge a late fee uh, in this state until they're 30 days late, wherever everyone else can charge it, you know, when they're, you know, less than 15. But landlords, nope, 30 days. So just pay 29 days late every time and there's nothing you can do. Nope. Bananas. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we charge late fees on day six. You know, it's uh, and I think that, that would be that, a, um, a 93A issue if I did. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, we for, we don't realize how good we have it at times, you know. And another thing that you touched on that I found interesting, and, and this doesn't apply to new folks as much as somebody who's kind of seasoned and starting to maybe grow their business and wanting employees, but you talked about not having turnover. One of the things that Clint and I are the proudest of is our teams. You know, we, we um, give 401k health insurance, and we don't have turnover. And once you get to that point in real estate, this is a difficult business. This is difficult. And... There's a lot of headaches. It's it's a very difficult and and you you you've got to hold on to these these people who are good at it and build your team and I I think that's a credit to what what you've built is the the idea that you know you've got a team that you guys are close and you care about. You know. So you're you're right. And honestly, it took us a while to figure that out. I'll be honest. Uh we thought we always had to have the cheapest, uh, let's keep our, you know, the, cause that's your, you know, your fixed cost, your salary consistently, keep it low as possible. Um, but we've over the years, you know, definitely changed our mindset on that. The team is the most important thing. And we did the same thing. We got 401k, we did health, dental, and vision. We do, uh, trips, we do events with them. We go on OCRs together. We have game night together. So you're all um, a bunch of ninjas, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just you. You got the team Not up there me. flipping around. and I, I'm trying to get them to flip. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Eventually, I'd like to have it like a, dib, a big team video. We're all flipping. That'd be awesome. Well, Clinton and I, next time we're in that region, we, we, we haven't spoken in that area for a very long time. We used to travel and speak around the country a lot. But next time we're coming out, I, I expect you to teach us how to do, how to do some ninja warrior stuff. Boy, I'm going to have to do a lot of stretching. Uh-huh. <laughs> I need a yeah. lot of stretching. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to get ready. ready I'm willing that. to sacrifice my body just to be able to get a video of him doing it. Considering I threw out my back putting on my golf shoes yeah. um, this past summer. You did. You know, not playing golf, but actually putting on my golf shoes. I don't know that the Ninja Warrior course is probably conducive to oh, this. Oh, I think it'll be great. Fat, we'll start you small. We'll start you on something small. It's going to have to be uh, very small. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyhow, so you know, we, we, we've touched on, on your content a little bit. Um, you know, I, I feel like social media – you know, really speaks to kind of that younger generation. Scott and I are both in our mid-40s. And not to say that people in their mid-40s and above aren't um, on social media, but I think that, you know, your larger audience is that uh, younger younger generation. And, you know, we talk about the younger generation. I think it's very important for your story, like where you started with, you know, literally nothing and have built this, built this up. You know, what... Uh, what is what would be your message out there to the younger generation? I know you guys have a lot of amazing content on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. Um, you know, what's what's uh, your message for that younger generation? Yeah, I, I think my so I'm also in my mid forties, um, but uh, yeah, I think for that younger generation, we try to explain that it's better to get, you know, get started, um, you know, get informed. Uh, I was just at BPCon recently. There was a lot of younger generations there. It was fantastic to see that. And I, I think that's really kind of important. Uh, if we were to start all over back when we were in our early twenties, I think I would, you know, start with a house hack or something like something simple just to get your feet wet and it limits your expenses. And it, you know, it's also, you know, limits your risk. Um, and that I think would be a fantastic way to get started. And then eventually if you, if you find that you actually enjoy it and have some kind of passion for it, you can kind of leverage that and to kind of, you know, grow your portfolio. 
and it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, real estate, even though I think we all love real estate, but there are other investments that you can, you know, find, but, you know, and get learning about investing and, you know, improving and getting assets under your belt. Um, because if you're just going to, you know, work and not actually own assets, which is what kind of my parents had, uh, you're not going to kind of move to that next level. And yeah, I think that's kind of I think it's interesting that there, there's kind of two directions people can take. And I think for most people, the, the actual answer is you should continue to do your job and just own some real estate on the side for, for the majority of folks. But then there's people like you who at 16 get addicted to it because you get a taste of how amazing real estate can be. For me, it was in college. I went and bought tax deeds and I made $500, not 30000 like you made, but $500 to me on a tax deed was unbelievable. And it, it can really inspire you. So I feel like if people go into this where you don't quit your job and you maybe look at getting one uh, property, whether it's through a house hack or, or maybe you've saved up because you're working and you can get your first rental, then seeing if that passion ignites. Um, but, but, you know, we feel like out on social media, we don't see enough of the people saying, yeah, continue living the life you live. We're not trying to sell you the, this dream of, of running off in the sunset on a yacht because of real estate. We're talking about buying real world assets that our parents' generation kind of missed out on this, this idea and that we're seeing Wall Street and hedge funders and, and um, you know, institutional money going to it because it is a great way to invest. And it's a way that most individuals can do it and own a real world asset. Um, so for most folks, this is as simple as adding real estate to your life that you already have. It's not about changing your life or throwing away your whole job. Um, and I think that's an important message. And I'm glad you, you touch on that a lot. I 100% agree. And you're right. I mean, even if someone just once a year, once every other year, uh, you know, learns and figures out how to buy a another you know, house, maybe a, a condo to rent out, whatever it is, something simple uh, that they can either manage themselves or eventually hire like a professional uh, property management company to oversee all the day-to-day -day stuff, especially in certain states where it's a little bit more tenant-friendly. You want to make sure you know those laws because you can get burned. And that's the other thing we talk about you know, in some of our videos is that if you don't know how all the laws and how to kind of navigate them, and don't have a team, it can be very dangerous. So you need to make sure that you have really, you know, good professionals on your team, whether you're buying one, two, three houses. Um, I, mean, I think that's key. I mean, so, but that's I agree right. that young generations should start. Yeah. You know, if you're not, if, if you don't know what you're doing, you know, there's literally free, there's free help for you. Realtors get paid quote unquote for free. Um, property managers, it's baked in. All of these people can help you without you having to write them checks. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on the fact that we've both been licensed for decades and decades now, licensed uh, real real estate realtors. Um, are we out showing houses on the weekend? No, but we, we believe in being experts in our craft. And so for our clients, about 95% of our clients are out of state, um, maybe higher, probably closer to 99%. Are, are out of state and they invest here because it's a landlord friendly state and because the pricing is is so uh, it's so low compared to where most of them live so people can do this from anywhere you know just because they're in in a market that doesn't work you can do this and you can do vacation rentals we see that all the time too now that's popular have you have you tried vacation rentals um, I own, so 
I have some Airbnbs. Uh, specifically, my wife actually runs an Airbnb in our basement. Uh, we bought a foreclosure, and the the kind of the quick story about it was we bought a foreclosure. It had this uh, maybe a dance studio in the basement at one point. And when I talked to her about it, I'm like, she wanted to, you know, start her own business, and she was talking about doing a daycare. I'm like, okay, I'll renovate it for you. So I spent a bunch of money renovating it for her as a daycare, and then she changed her mind and like, well, I don't know. I'm like, you're gonna figure something out, all right? So I mean, there's this thing, Airbnb, you can try it out. I don't know. I'm like, try it out. She loves it. I mean, and she's crushing it. She's doing so well with her Airbnb, and uh, she's talking about possibly expanding and doing uh, more midterm rentals. Um, working with like insurance companies, working with um, traveling nurses and stuff like that. So she can get 30 plus day, day stays as opposed to the, the one or two day stays. But we've got a few of these uh, that we've signed up with uh, of our properties with these nursing programs. And, and I'll have to look it up and see the name. But um, we've got a good track record with them. And I, I can email you the info on them. Oh, but we, we've had some good luck with the nursing and then we've got a, a couple other res care, some, some other like care facilities that, um, yeah, there, there, there's some interesting ways that, um, you can get a property to perform really well, getting creative through, through things like that, you know, especially if it's a unique property. Um, yeah. Well, I also just want to briefly touch on, um, another one of your clips that I watched that really resonated with me. Um, you and, uh, and Kevin were, um, two on opposite sides of the fence with saving money where um, you talked about, you know, getting a bonus at work and one of you, you know, um, saved that money and the other one uh, went and bought a new iPhone and bought something else. And then, you know, and it, it showed like over time very quickly, it was very, very awesome, awesome clip. And then I think it was you that were, was, was buying um, a multifamily after you got uh, a raise and another bonus while um, Kevin was out just kind of blowing it and, you know, being, you know, part of the, the consumption world. Um, so, you know, you share that same vision with Scotty and I on living within your means and saving your money and, and trying to, to build upon that, which I think is lost a lot of times in today's world. We have a compound, uh, a compounding calculator on our website, the Homeboys website, just so people can see you know, how, how compounding works. It's yep. a, just that simple. And I, I, I give you guys credit for, um, in an entertaining way, and you have a big following for a good reason. It's entertaining, guys. If you haven't seen their stuff, go check it out. It's Not only is it very informative, but it's entertaining, oh, incredibly awesome. entertaining. Mm-hmm. But the lessons that they're, they're passing on are they're doing the education uh, system's job for them because the education system has failed this younger younger generation, and they're passing on this info in an entertaining way. I suggest you follow them. They've, they've got great, great little ideas like that, really basic stuff, too, that, um, you know, sometimes isn't the most fun to hear. So when they do it in this entertaining way, it's pretty neat, and it's neat to see the difference. Um, you know, de- deferred reward is very difficult, you know, and, and I understand it. You, you know, like you said earlier, you, on your first house, you blew all your money right away. As as oh, yeah. Made. So did we. You know, I made bad decisions. We talk about... Um, I was driving a Jaguar for all the wrong correct. reasons. Correct. Correct. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we made bad choices. I had a boat bef- when I thought... Uh, this is a, a, a story that we talk about a lot, but, but 
I, you know, I went to one of the best business schools in the country. I understood, you know, living within your means and yet I still didn't do it. And I went out and I bought a boat when I could afford the payment. I didn't, I financed a boat and I didn't think anything of it until a family member said, you financed a boat. And I was like, yeah, why not? And they're like, that means you can't afford a boat. If you can't buy the boat, you can't afford a boat. You don't finance toys. You buy, <laughs> but, but like, you know, so those are interesting lessons um, that I think you guys do a great job of sharing. Do you guys enjoy it as much as, uh, as much as it shows on, uh, on video? Yeah, no, we do enjoy it. We try to spend um, a little time uh, each week on you know, coming up with different ideas. And typically, actually, the ideas come from just our daily routine. So uh, we did a video that went really well um, on uh, public adjusters. And I was dealing with, you know, and we've used public adjusters in the past, but I was dealing with an issue on one of my uh, our duplexes. What's a public adjuster? What? What's a public adjuster? I don't even know what that oh. is. Um, so when you, you, so you know, your, your insurance company oh. and they send out their, their internal adjuster, okay. uh, and they do their adjustment and basically they're working for the insurance company. Right. And so what I've recommended and I've used most of the time is then I have a public adjuster. So I hire another company. It's a third party that comes in and they argue for me and basically like, nope, per the, and they'll read through all the fine print and then they'll make sure I get all the code upgrades and make sure all this stuff that, you know, I'm allowed for my policy. So typically I've, you know, seen at least a three or four X on uh, the actual, the claim um, with the insurance companies. And so we did a video on that. That did really well. Um, but yeah, we just don't claim. We just eat it when, when like we had a, a, a house freeze, it was icicles coming from everywhere. We just eat that. Really? Um, yeah, we just eat, eat that. We've got Lloyd, uh, Lloyd's of London policy, though, that's pretty unique. Oh, yeah. there's so, been a few extreme situations yeah. where we haven't ate it. But I'd never heard of a public adjuster. Had you? No. Yeah. No. Interesting. I learned something. This is great. Well, it's another good point. Always be learning. Right? Yeah. There you go. Well, we have this, uh, this thing on, we've touched on this a little bit, but we like to, we like to end our, our time together, Matt, with uh, some closing questions. And we touched on it a little bit. And if it's a little bit redundant, it's okay. Cause all this has been really great information. But uh, first question what is the best real estate decision you've ever made? Getting started back when I was 16, just getting started. Six, great. 16 is a amazing that, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I just look back at what I was doing whenever I was 16. You were chasing and, girls, drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. Correct. I mean, there was no, there was no uh, looking to get into real estate. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think it's also important to note, it's not, it's not too late. You don't have to be 16. You don't have to be 30. You don't have to be 50. Um, you yeah. were in the high school parking lot doing donuts in your Chevy S10, weren't you? <laughs> You know me. I'm still doing donuts in my backyard <laughs> this, to this day. You know. But, uh, All right. Well, the next question is: is what real estate decisions or decision do you regret? Um, this property we bought um, down in uh, Connecticut, and uh, basically it was really far. It was a two and a half hour uh, flip, and I didn't I didn't have a team in the market, and but yet we thought the spread with this massive spread. And it was our biggest loss, and we're still dealing with some issues with it today. Um, but uh, keeping in your market that you're comfortable with, know um, what you can control. And uh, that was the biggest issue there. We've learned that lesson a few times the hard way, too. Um, what real estate advice do you have for the next generation? 
I, same thing. It's, it's getting started and, you know, start small if you need to, uh, and then kind of scale, you know, at least a little every year and, and, you know, learn, learn from, you know, guys like you learn from maybe guys like us, uh, and start kind of, you know, learning all that knowledge and seeing what you can do and reach out to like local RIAs or local uh, landlord groups. A lot of the older people, it's not like this big competition. Most people want to teach you. When we first got started, they're all the bigger guys that were there. They were so excited to actually teach us because we we're excited and passionate about it. They, you know, took us under their wing. They're like, do this, do that. And we didn't listen to them, but um, you know, they were ready to teach us. And uh, later years later, we, you know, they were so happy to teach us when we actually were allowed to accept and, you know, assume some of the knowledge that they were getting. We see that in our market too. I mean, if you just come around and, and, and talk with the old guys who've been doing it forever, we all know one another. We, all, anyway. we, we want to help anyone new, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe it'll take us a little bit of time to warm up to you, but, <laughs> but once we see that you're willing to put in the work and, and you're around, there's nothing we won't share. There's nothing exactly. we won't share. This it's it's a unique little niche that um, you can find some really neat people around you that'll that'll support you. I think you'd be shocked, like he said, if you go to these RIA meetings, sheriff sales, tax sales, meet people in all these different ways. You know, it, it can become a community where we care about each other, even though we're we're com- competitors in a sense. It's a cooperation. Matt, tell us where um, we can find you, where um, our listeners can can locate you. Sure. Um, yeah, you guys can find us anywhere on uh, Two Guys Take on Real Estate, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, uh, and Facebook. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. It's always great to talk to like-minded people. Uh, I know I speak for Scotty and I both. We really respect your work ethic um, and what you've uh, what you've been able to accomplish. It's quite amazing, and we uh, we wish you and your family the the most of blessings. Thank you. It was a blast having me uh, be on. Thanks so much. All right, everybody, that is our podcast today. We thank you for tuning in to the Homeboys podcast. Make sure you find Matt and Kevin, two guys take on real estate. They're putting out a lot of really, really sound, interesting, intelligent advice on social media. Sometimes it's hard to find that on social media. Follow these guys. They know. And, yeah, he's a ninja warrior. How cool is that? Till next time, happy investing.